The Weather Lounge podcast is brought to you by Crew Tracker Software. This is the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. Hi there, everyone, and welcome back to the Weather Lounge. I'm your host, meteorologist Brad Miller, and our latest podcast comes to you from our Weatherworks headquarters, located in Hackettstown, New Jersey, and made possible by Crew Tracker Software. And joining me here in the Weather Lounge today is not Mike Mahalik, but guest host, meteorologist Chelsea Ingram. Welcome, Chelsea. Brad, thank you so much. I am so happy to be here. It's such a pleasure to finally join the Weather Lounge, and this is my first podcast with you guys. Yeah, it's uh, it's great having you on here today, and I'm sure it's not it'll be it won't be the first time you're on. I can guarantee you that. And uh, Chelsea, uh, you know, I had the pleasure of uh, going to Sima with you back in uh, June when we uh, went to Milwaukee. Uh, that was a great time with Kevin Hoppler and uh, Frank Lombardo, of course, our CEO here at Weatherworks. But uh, tell us a little about yourself, a little background, uh, so some of the folks uh, know who you are here at Weatherworks. Yeah, sure, Brad. Thanks so much. So I'm a senior meteorologist for Weatherworks. I handle what we call partnership solutions. And my background is in broadcasting. So I worked in the television news industry really for about the past 11 years, working in Burlington, Vermont, Baltimore, Maryland, as well as Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I've done coverage on the CBS Evening News, as well as CBS This Morning. But I can easily say that my favorite job of my career so far has been working for Weatherworks because the people are extremely intelligent and bright, and it's such a fun crew. So I'm really happy to be a part of the team. Yeah, I mean, it's great having you. I'll tell you, you've made such a difference since you've joined with us, too, on the uh, the social media parts of uh, Weatherworks. And uh, and as a byproduct of television myself, you know, I can tell you the same thing. I, it's so much different. I mean, anyone that's been on TV can say, oh, I love being on TV. And I do. I love being on television doing the weather. But there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that I'm sure you know of that just isn't the best of, uh, you know, the business of meteorology, I guess, with TV. Well, I think more so we just have the opportunity to really showcase the analytics and we have the time to do that at Weatherworks. We have the time during our shift to really dig into the data and put out the best uh, forecast that we possibly can for all of our clients. So uh, it's a pretty cool company to work for. Yeah, it is. It is. So again, uh, welcome here to the podcast, Chelsea. And uh, you know what? We have a special guest also today in the Weather Lounge. His name is John Paganini, and he is the CEO of Crew Tracker Software. And yes, also the sponsor of our podcast. Yeah, we have had a long-standing relationship with John. Brad and I both met John in person at Sima in Milwaukee this past summer. He has such an energetic personality. He's so passionate about the snow and ice industry, and he's just been such a wonderful partner that Weatherworks has been able to work with over the past several years. And it started with a simple partnership of importing certified snowfall data um, into just a simple spreadsheet and now it's transitioned into working with our API data and seamlessly integrating that into the crew tracker software with one click. CSTs are pulled into that service for our mutual customers and clients. So really excited to have him on. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to be back with all the ideas on how technology can benefit your business in the snow and ice industry to increase safety and efficiency. Since 2004, Crew Tracker Software has enabled snow and ice management companies to save time, money, and resources with their comprehensive digital services platform. All the information needed to plan your operations and make business decisions is current and always available. 
Along with QuickBooks, Crew Tracker software provides seamless integration with WeatherWorks certified SoFall totals. Visit CrewTracker.com to rock your game and learn how Crew Tracker software makes managing snow and ice simple. Take advantage of the Sima Show Special $500 discount and White Glove Startup Service offer. All right, and welcome back here to the Weather Lounge. Again, I'm meteorologist Brad Miller, and we have our guest host today, Chelsea Ingram, also from here at WeatherWorks. And uh, our guest today is John Paganini, and he is the CEO of Crew Tracker Software. And uh, John, welcome to the Weather Lounge. It's great to have you on here today. Thank you, Brad, and thank you, Chelsea. What an honor to be here with uh, our our partner, WeatherWorks, uh, that we've been working together uh, with for so long. Uh, this is really an exciting podcast, and I'm excited to share some of the cool technologies that are going on in the industry and how that benefits the snow and ice management uh, operations. Um, so thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, Crew Tracker software has been around since 2004, providing innovative business solutions to small and large snow and ice management companies, uh, both in the U.S. and Canada. So, you know, our platform allows operations uh, to manage the routing, the services, the billing, the crews, the properties, and so much more. Um, we've got some great integration with QuickBooks as well, uh, not just WeatherWorks in a sense, and that makes billing very efficient. Uh, we've got a nice mobile app uh, for the crews to manage and document their services, a portal for our uh, customers' customers, if you will, to look at their own services and see what's going on. So we're really focused on customer needs and attaining those business goals um, with a focus on excellence and customer support, as well as technology innovation, because we are a software company, of course. So as uh, was mentioned earlier, we are really honored to have this longstanding partnership with WeatherWorks. And now that our systems are seamlessly integrated, and Chelsea, you mentioned the analytics. And analytics, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about that, um, uh, about the power, if you will, of analytics and incorporating weather, weather data into your services uh, and how that impacts the, uh, the industry as well as your business. So uh, thank you for having me. Yeah. And, you know, you were talking about a couple examples, John, on how technology can benefit your business. But there are so many things like we can even start with GPS technology and how that can improve your business in the snow and ice industry. I'm always amazed at some of the new technology coming onto the scene each and every year that is really benefiting contractors and property managers alike. Yeah, GPS is uh, pretty important to the snow and ice industry. Um, it just provides so many different features in a sense. Uh, but let me ground us, if uh, just uh, the audience, um, the audience probably knows a lot about this, but let me give some background and what the heck is GPS. Of course, it stands for a global positioning system. And that is 24 satellites circling the planet every 12 hours, uh, providing us a worldwide position, the time, the velocity, all this information. But what does that do for us? Well, it makes it possible to identify locations anywhere on the planet uh, by just measuring the distance from those satellites. Uh, it does this through what's called triangulation. So each uh, GPS signal is looking at three different satellites at the same time to really get some uh, interesting accuracy. So GPS is reused in a lot of ways. Uh, one is location, just determining a basic position on the planet. Uh, and I and I know this is all imp uh, very important to WeatherWorks and how you are doing some of your data and analytics. So that, it's an interesting uh, uh, comparison there. Uh, but obviously, it's used for navigation. You know, we use Waze or Google Maps, Apple Maps. Uh, we get from one location to another. 
Uh, and there's tracking also. You may have heard of the Apple tags or tile or just tracking in general. And those are using GPS. Um, and it, it includes uh, timing. So you may uh, have a Garmin watch or some other uh, device that's actually tracking the time it takes to ride your bike uh, from one place to another. So it knows the distance, it knows the time. And, and so that is really uh, impacting many different industries, GPS. Um, and, and, and John, GPS basically is, is a new, I guess, functionality, right? I mean, I mean, we, where were we 20 years ago without GPS? It just seems like it's, and I mean, it, how much, how far it's come. I mean, nobody had phones, you know, 30 years ago, but now everyone knows where everyone is. And of course, you know, this is all thanks to GPS and where's my car at all the new cars today. You can track your car. I mean, it's, it's amazing where we, where we've come just in like 20 to 30 years. Yeah. I was thinking the other day about how you used to have to pay a lot of money just to get navigation in your car. You know, when you go to buy a new car, it's like, man, but I really want the navigation because that's so cool. And now you can just use your phone and use Waze or Google Maps. And there's such a close link between GPS and GIS um, technology, which allows for collaboration or across a workspace using all of the satellite data. And John, even with weather forecasting, we use GIS data, GIS information um, when it comes to collaborating and creating our forecasts at WeatherWorks. So let's talk a little bit more specifically how GPS functionality can be implemented as a solution within business operations in the snow and ice industry. Yeah, great, great uh, analysis uh, comparing G GIS to GPS. And that is... Uh, an important aspect. So, you know, one of the things that uh, you may have here is uh, is fleet tracking is a tool that's used uh, extensively uh, throughout many industries. But for the snow and ice industry, you know, it monitors gas mileage and acceleration, making sharp turns and stopping, you know, and it monitors driving in real time. And that is really leveraging uh, GPS. Uh, the other aspect of that would be with the mobile phone. So you can manage your crew location at any given time. So from an operational management perspective, you have the ability to view the entire operations process and identify the customer location, your crew location, your equipment uh, location. And, you know, it, using uh, certain systems, you can have uh, identify whether the service has been started, when it's been completed. And if your system has the ability to capture a photo on the photo itself, in the metadata of the photo, you can capture the GPS location along with the time that the picture was taken. And so, you know, things like that really come in, uh, into play uh, for validating that you perform the service or, you know, God forbid there was a slip and fall, you need to validate and verify that your crew was on site at the same time. All of this data uh, supports your case in a sense. Yeah. And property manager too, right? So it works both ways. Works for the contractors, also the property managers having that data at their location too. It's very, very beneficial. You know, another aspect of GPS uh, that is interesting is, uh, you know, you call it, it's called kind of breadcrumbs, um, but it allows you to track the viewing of the crews while they're actually in transit. So, you know, when they're at the location, um, but, you know, some customers may call and say, hey, when is your crew going to be at my site? You can look and see that they're traveling from, you know, location A to location B using GPS. 
Yeah, and you've seen this probably if you used Uber. Uh, you know, you watch the uh, the car on the little map on your phone. You see it's five minutes away. You can see it traveling down the street. You know, when it's going to be there. Same same technology. So uh, another value of GPS for the for the snow and ice business, obviously, is the ability to do routing based on the physical location of your properties, right? Using GPS, you can just sort all your services by GPS and say, okay, I got to go to this one first, this one next, because this is the most geographically uh, efficient way to approach it. However, um, you can be a little bit smarter and think about, oh my goodness, I have to be at the uh, the bank at six o'clock and have that plowed by six. I have to have the church plowed by seven. I have to have the school plowed by eight o'clock. So the, if you think about the combination of that criteria, your contractual agreement, if you will, along with the GPS location, you can really do some efficient uh, optimization of your routing using GPS and other criteria. That's great. So it really looks like it also helps improve driver safety with the fleet management software, as you talked about as well. One, one uh, simple uh, approach, and it's pretty obvious, is, you know, if the truck breaks down, uh, you know, uh, or your crew member is, is stuck, you know, you know, based on GPS, the physical location, you can send another truck to, uh, to back up that other truck, or you can send another crew person. And of course, if you have a driver stranded in a blizzard, you know, that's a safety factor. You, you know exactly where they are based on the GPS location. So that's really one of the GPS safety factors. Yeah. And as meteorologists, of course, right, Brad, we'll talk a little bit about how weather can impact GPS. Uh, I was just going to say, we're, we're, go- we're moving along here on the, uh, how weather can impact GPS. And it, it brings me, uh, it reminds me of the old days back in college and I'm kind of dating myself here, but back when we would get our data, of course, through the satellite, which that's the way it is. And it still is today, but I guess there's ways around it these days. But I remember going out when I was like in college and worked in the weather, the campus weather center there in Millersville, we'd have to go out and shovel the the satellite off and chip (laughs) the ice away because either no data was coming in or just very little data was coming in and we'd actually have to go out there. And then within like 15 minutes, it would be a whole slew of data coming back in until it would re-ice over and we had to go back out there. So, um, you know, we're going back to the nineties here, but uh, it's, it, I don't know if, if, if there's any kind of uh, way to get around that these days, John, but it seems like it's still the same thing. There's a lot of technologies actually just from some research I did in grad school at Hopkins Um there's something called synthetic aperture radar, and there's ways to kind of read data through the weather. And maybe that's not necessarily on the scene just yet, but it's definitely in the works and coming onto the scene, being able to see what's going on on the ground, through the clouds, through the weather. Um, so I think it's it's just a matter of time. Wow. Interesting technology. Yeah, I had not heard of that. As you were saying, you know, the, the GPS can be a little bit affected by rain or snow or ice um, because if one of the satellites is not getting through, then it's only triangulating on two out of the three. And so that would be a factor. But I think in general, uh, based on the the current state of the technology and then the satellites, uh, it's not really a major effect. Right. Again, this is going years back. I mean, I'm sure there's, you know, all this stuff has changed now. Um, with all this, uh, you know, the ice on antennas and things like that. I'm sure, I'm sure there, there's heaters and stuff now too on a lot of that stuff, isn't there? Uh, I imagine, I imagine. So speaking of the past and the present, um, you know, 
in that light, you know, the satellites are, are getting better. The future of GPS continues to get more accurate. They're adding security and reliability and proving the positions and the navigation services along that. In fact, they're um, also trying to standardize, I guess, uh, the signals that are out there um, so that even spacecraft can uh, leverage the uh, advantage of GPS. So it's going to get down to the image, to the inches uh, eventually. With uh, and and things like five uh, G are really going to help that out. So, John, you just mentioned five G. Um, Brad and I were chatting. What exactly is five G? It is an emerging technology. Everyone, everyone's like, "Hey, I got five G." Hey, I got five G. But a lot of us don't know what sounds 5G better is. than four G, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's actually a little bit of a different technology. But uh, yeah, what the heck is five G? Well, before 5G, there was car phones, right? We had car phones. And then there was 3G. That was good. All of a sudden, texting uh, came into the picture there, probably while you were um, cleaning off the satellites from <laughs> with the ice there. Uh, and you could, you could actually surf the web with 3G, kind of, if it was a very simple website, right? Uh, and then 4G was kind of a, 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 big, a big step forward because all of a sudden we were getting 100 megabit uh, uh reception, if you will, and you could go to a website on your phone using 4G. So then the world got very excited and they announced that 5G was coming. So um, essentially 5G is very fast, very fast. And if it's if it's running at the full speed and there are different variations on 5G, um, it can be up to one gigabyte per second on your phone. In fact, certain providers are saying, why don't you just get 5G and run your home internet on 5G or your business. You don't need to have the cable or whatever it is uh, as a service. It's that good, um, but it, it's not yet prevalent. And you know, I would compare that, if you will, to how electric cars are coming, and we're still, you know, we need the infrastructure in place to uh, have the charging stations. Very similar with 5G, because these guys. Uh, five, in order for 5G to really be uh, prevalent and working well, we need to have charging stations, more more cells, cell stations uh, built that are on top of telephone poles, tops of buildings. Um, when So when all this is in place, we're going to have faster data transmission, reduced response times. Uh, and how does that affect snow and ice management? Well, there is a vision that all of our traffic lights will be more efficient. We'll have cloud-based navigation, knowing where all our vehicles are at. We're going to have better routing. You know, everything will be on a grid, if you will. And 5G is going to enable that because it's so much data. If you think about smart cars, even the data that's going on for a smart car to know where what's going on around it, it it's an amazing uh, aspect of that. And 5G enables all of that information to travel up to the cloud and then back so that you can drive safely, um, unattended, if you will. So that's still, you know, as we all know, way out there. And there's a lot of, a lot of work to be done on that. Um, but I think, you know, the vehicles will be talking to each other and reporting road conditions to each other in real time. And we see a little bit of that in Waze, right? When Waze says traffic is slowing down or there's a pothole as a car. It's that collaboration. It is. Real-time collaboration. It is. Mm -hmm. It's very social in that sense. 
And so some of that, instead of you saying there's a car stuck on the side of the road in ways, it'll just know that. And, you know, it'll be it'll be available because the car will tell the network, if you will, where it's at in the, in the process. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe cars will self-diagnose themselves and, you know, who? It's really hard to say, well, how we're going to leverage that. And uh, there's a lot of innovation uh, yet, yet to come for sure. Um, but the, the thinking is that by 2030, 5G will be pretty mainstream by then. And I think that that as you think about uh, what's going on with the crews using a mobile app, even, uh, you know, operations and administration, having all of that information. And I know from a WeatherWorks perspective, showing real time weather radar images uh, and motion, 5G will really help out in that sense. Yeah, even with 5G, what's great with our forecast management system, which is a forecasting platform we have, um, even with our mobile app that we have with uh, WeatherWorks, it just helps crews, it helps property managers, no matter where you are, to be able to get that information, get your weather forecasting, get your, um, whether you're chatting with or even texting or calling a meteorologist back at WeatherWorks with a question, it just helps to efficiently make that flow and allow you to get in contact when you need to. Um, it just helps make the the data, make the talking, the conversation. It makes it flow. It makes it work efficiently. So it's really nice to have such strong technology this day and age, especially within the snow and ice industry and within the weather industry. Yeah, a, a good point, Chelsea. The, the bandwidth doesn't become a factor, right? Exactly. Truly real time. So there are ways, John, that crews that property managers can save time on their mobile phone and ways to safely utilize the mobile phone when working. One of the things that, uh, you know, we see is that sometimes users say, well, I got, I have gloves on and I, I don't like to type on the mobile phone. And so that really could get in the way of what's the workaround. Yeah. So what, what are some of the options there? Cause really you're typing on a virtual keys on a, on a glass screen. So not, not really ideal, right. Compared to a keyboard and the keyboard's not as fast as we can talk. You know, you can actually uh, talk three times faster than you can type at least. I didn't know that, but it makes sense. Yeah. Some people can type faster than others, obviously. Right. Um, so there are key keyboards you can use on your phone, but you know, they're more popular on tablets or iPads. Um, and, there are some, there's something called gesture typing, which I've tried and it's not really, it takes a, a little bit of um, practice, if you will. And you just kind of drag your finger across the keyboard from letter to letter. Instead of t stopping and typing, you just drag it around in kind of a, 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 a gliding gesture, if you will. Uh, and that, you know, it's not really been used a lot, but that is another way to type. wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just a practice. I tried it. I said, oh, my gosh, this is cool. But uh, it took a while. And so, you know, you go back and revert to the way you know best. Uh, of course, there's a stylus or a pen that you can use. Um, but my my personal favorite really is voice recognition. You know, and the Apple and the Android phones, they both support that. Um, and even when you're doing voice recognition, you may may not be aware of, but you can actually use punctuation. So you can say like, uh, Ch dear Chelsea, comma, the 
the check is in the mail, exclamation point, you know, and, and <laughs> Apple and Android will both recognize that as punctuation. And, you know, it'll, it'll convert that voice to proper text, if you will, sentence wise. And of course, while you're driving, voice recognition uh, is key to, from a safety perspective. Yeah. Dri- driving's, I'm going to say driving's the biggest, I mean, I use that all the time when, you know, you're, you're, you know, want to get a message to somebody and you're just like, Hey, comma, I'll be there in 10 minutes, you know, or I'm on the way. And, you know, it's just so, it's so easy. And I think for me, this day and age, um, I rarely actually hold my cell phone up to my ear anymore. I'm either on speakerphone or I'm talking to text. I just have it held up to my mouth. I'm, and that's got to make it easier, especially during winter weather. I mean, I, I haven't ever plowed a driveway or a street. So I'm going to say that, but I have shoveled and I have had to communicate. So it is easier to just pick up the phone and talk to text or say, Hey Siri, text this person, ask them this question. It does make it easier than having to take off the gloves, warm up your hands so you can even move them around. It makes it a little easier. And and there's Apple uh, CarPlay and Android. Right. Uh, the Android Auto, it's called. So your smartphone can even be, in fact, we're looking at that and how we can leverage those technologies on those platforms in the car, you know, uh, or in the truck. John, automation in general, I think is becoming so big in the snow and ice industry. Every time I'm on LinkedIn, I feel like I'm seeing a new post about automation and how it is completely changing the game. So let's talk a little bit about that. And you can discuss even how it's changed things with Crew Tracker and then in general, how it's changing things across the industry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot. That, that That's a wide open question. Absolutely. I know. Uh, but uh, let me let me revert back to one classic, if you will, way of uh, automation. And that is uh, before the mobile apps, there was something called interactive voice response. And that was, uh, the term was IVR. And what this allows, it's really a smart version of press one for customer service, press two for tech support, that thing. So the crews could in the past, and they still can, uh, call a number and say, I'm on service number, whatever. And the system will say, oh, service three, you're plowing Walmart. and are you starting the service? And they would simply say yes and hang up. And that would trigger that transaction, if you will, and capture that data. And then when the crew person was done, they would call the same number, put in the same number uh, as that service. And the, the system would say, I see you're at, uh, you started the service at Walmart. Are you now complete? Say yes. And that data would then get saved and sent to the mothership. In this case, you know, it might be crew tracker or something. So that was another way. And that was a way when smartphones really didn't exist or in some uh, uh, very rural locations, um, cellular data is very light and not, not good at reception. And some, you know, there are some uh, crew people who just, you know, don't have a, sn- a, a smartphone. So this is an alternative to that in a sense. It's a good it's a good back backup strategy. It just enables uh, business continuity and keeps the data electronic in a sense. <laughs> so what kind of ways um, tell me crew tracker, what have you automated um, just to make things easier, run smoothly, run more efficiently from the data perspective? 
Uh, yeah, we, we did a lot of that IVR data. I mean, that was the history of Crew Tracker back in the, you know, the early 2000 when it started. It uses that data, and then it, it moved to the mobile app. Uh, the things that we're looking at now from a technology standpoint is integrating sensors. Uh, and there's a lot of sensors on the market, and I know I know that WeatherWorks is using a lot of them from the weather perspective. You know, the ground temperature, the pavement temperature, the air temperature, detecting changes, uh, even detecting uh, rain and snow, humidity, dew point. Uh, we're looking at sensors uh, from a salt distribution perspective. So how much salt is physically being distributed from the truck so that we can manage the material? better and send that back, if you will, to the to the mother ship. Um, so, you, you know, sensors have been around, um, uh, but they're kind of new in some ways and they're still inventing more. Um, um, and this is an aspect of what is called the Internet of Things. You may have heard that term, or IoT, which is a pretty exciting area. And really, it's a device that is smart in a sense. It's got little software built into it. It connects with other devices or uh, to a network or to a, um, uh, the Internet itself. And, you know, we all are seeing these sensors in our homes. We, we have the Nest thermostat, maybe motion detectors, water levels. Um, myself, I just installed this thing called a Ting, which my insurance company uh, sponsored. Uh, but that detects electric voltage um, variances in your house, which is pretty interesting. So you just plug it into a plug and it just watches the uh, electric voltage, which is nice to know, especially if you have a lot of technology in your house like I do. So uh, ideally, all of this sensor information is centralized somewhere and viewable on a dashboard. And I know WeatherWorks itself has dashboards like that, presenting information uh, to your users that, um, you know, is, is all coming from sensors all over the place. Actually. Yeah, like you say, you know, we, we use that in, you know, everyday forecasting, uh, especially in the wintertime, like you said, about the pavement temperatures. That's crucial to us, uh, especially in marginal situations when, you know, maybe it's not all that cold. Uh, but yet you get a snow squall that comes through and it drops that pavement temperature to a, you know, 30, 31 degree reading. And then, you, you know, somebody's got to do some work. So it's, uh, it's, 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 it's things that like that, that we really, you know, use in everyday, uh, you know, uh, forecasting. Sure. That's the trick is how do we enable the snow and ice management business to be proactive in how they manage their events, right? Yeah. And I think when it comes to automation, a big thing is using those APIs and taking advantage of the APIs, right? Even with, with our partnership with you, John, just the mere fact that, um, you know, crew tracker software can ping our API and just get certified snowfall totals at the click of a button for clients, that just makes the entire process so much faster. Yeah, great point, Chelsea. Uh, in that integration specifically, what it does is it brings those certified snowfall totals right into the system, and that information can then travel over to the invoice, and so that their customers, customers see on the invoice, they're certified by WeatherWorks, and so there's a credibility factor there. There's a uh, customer communications are really good. So yeah, it is, and that is the exciting part of this industry. If you think about, you know, that that the platform of having all this data and analytics, um, there's really no limit. In fact, that's what makes us all very exciting, where we are now and where we're going. And this integration is just the tip of the iceberg on what we can do for the snow and ice management industry uh, with, with 
analytics and data. And if I could, I, I'd like to talk a little bit about, you know, data analytics and what, you know, what the horizons look like for that. If we talk about data analytics, you know, what, what is data analytics? Well, it's, as you well know, in WeatherWorks, you're collecting the data, you're evaluating the data, you're presenting it, the data to your users to help inform decisions. So we're truly, we're in the same business. We're doing that. And the collaboration enhances the information being provided so that the decisions become even better and smarter in a sense. When you're talking about data analytics, we also want to talk about artificial intelligence and bringing some AI, if you will. And there's been a lot of talk about our, you know, AI and it, you know, uh, are people watching and the dangers of AI. But I'm going to talk about the good part about that, not because it is good. It is good. It can it can really help us analyze things like weather patterns and um, evaluating your crew routing. We've talked a little bit about that. Uh, earlier. Um, but imagine this, let's think about you've been running your business with a computer system for years now, and you've got a lot of historical data. It's been captured, it's been stored, it's, it's all in electronic format in a database, so to speak. The properties, the routes, the materials, the crews, your expenses, your revenue, your profits, all of this data is well-documented and it's well-stored and you've got a lot of history now. And of course, now we're bringing in the weather data. So let's bring the weather data into that information as well. You've got the snow depth, you've got the temperature, the wind, the ice. Now imagine that this data is available for analysis. That is, with all of this data, the business team can more accurately plan how to better manage the next snow event. You can look at what was done right. You can even consider what you might have been able to do better, especially from a revenue generation perspective. And of course, meeting your customers' expectations, critical, of course. But you can start asking questions of this data. You know, how long did this service take? And um, if we're going to do the exact same service with the same snow depths, you know, we, we know that now. We can predict the materials, the usage, the cost of them. We can forecast uh, based on weather conditions. We can come up with some really interesting route recommendations based on property location, contractual obligations, what, whatever criteria might be important to your business. And, and of course, determine what crews are needed the most and what equipment and what materials. So this really provides some interesting areas of uh, analytics, so to speak. So, John, you can almost compare this to what we do when we forecast like a big snowstorm. Let's say there's a there's a storm we're expecting on the east east coast, and we'll use analogs. We'll go we'll go back and look at previous setups that are maybe you know in a similar sense. You know, we have high pressure here, we have low pressure here, and there's there's actually forecast programs out there that'll show you. Let's say, oh, this happened back in 1984, and this happened 1992, and Here's where the results and, and kind of the same idea, I guess, that, you know, we'll, we'll use these analogs. It doesn't mean it's going to happen uh, verbatim, but it gives us an idea of, of like where the snow is going to be the heaviest or where the snow rain line could be, you know, and things like that. So forecast analogs, I think, are very uh, comparable to what you're talking about. 
Yeah, definitely, Brad. What that does is it addresses the concept of predictive analytics, which is what I think you're referring to, and that is the ability to find patterns and help forecast uh, you, you know, the next weather conditions. And uh, you can also use it to predict problems or present uh, scenarios um, before they occur. And, and it could be used for sales growth or, or, or other business metrics. In fact, you know, the next step after predictive analytics is prescriptive analytics. So we, we are able to predict this and that, right? But we could also use those same insights based on what we discovered in predictive analytics to present an action plan. That is, based on what we know now, let's prescribe this is how you will manage your next two-day storm. And here's, here's how I'll, I'll tell you to put the what crews will work best for you and what equipment and what materials. And so that, to me, is almost like the holy grail of you know, all of this analytic uh, capabilities. And this is things that we're working on uh, internally here to see if we can start doing, uh, you know, suggesting to our users the best way to set up your routes and uh, your operations. And so that is pretty exciting. And, you know, in the, in the industry, you're, you're going to hear big data, data mining, artificial intelligence, machine learning, the cloud. You know, these are all um, current technologies that continue to emerge uh, in our industry and world, you know, and other industries as well. So we'll be looking at, uh, at how other industries are leveraging these technologies and applying it to the snow and ice management business. So that gets really exciting, yeah. I think it's so exciting. Um, just technology, it's being used to, you know, make an operation safer. It's being used to be more efficient. And just thinking where the industry was, and how far it's come, and how we're using GPS, like snowplow contractors, for instance, you know, getting the exact measurements and the bird's eye view of a location, determining the slope of a parking lot, where the drains are located within that parking lot, parking lot, when they have to remove the snow, where do they have to put it so it properly goes down the drain, making sure away from the sidewalks, the building entrances, the way technology is being leveraged in this industry absolutely blows my mind. And it makes me so excited to see where things are going to go from here. Yeah, a lot of which we can see and a lot of which we can't see. It's, it's a great point, Chelsea. And the thing is, there is a lot of cool technology on the market, but we're, we're not thinking about the technology for technology's sake, right? We're thinking about what is the business value? So there's a couple ways to look at it. You can start with the business side of it and say, okay, I need to do this. What technology is available? The other side of that is, wow, that's a really cool technology like Meta, you know, when you put on the virtual reality and you're, you're doing that, you know, how can that work in the snow and ice industry? So you, you can look at it from both perspectives. What's my business driver or what's the technology innovation that could be cool, um, but maybe has no value? You know, it's it, so uh, you think of it from a business perspective, more importantly, right? And, you know, you know, going back to that GPS stuff, and I don't know why, I don't know why I think this is so cool, but I don't know if it was a couple of years ago, but um, if you go to PA 511, it's one of those uh, sites that has all the cameras across the state for Pennsylvania and all the little things you can toggle on and off on the left, you know, incidents or speed limits. But there's one you can actually toggle on and off is snow plows and it'll actually show you 
the current snow plows that are on the road, what their route is. And it's just kind of cool to watch how these little snow plows are on the route in a snowstorm or, you know, a situation where they got to do some work out there. And it's, 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 it's just kind of neat to me. I don't know why I, I find that so cool, but I guess that's, that's something that, you know, right there, it's easy to, to see how GPS is, uh, you know, just going forward with everything. Yeah, that's pretty smart. In fact, uh, Cleveland just implemented a, a system like that as well. Did that? Yeah. So it's just, uh, I don't know. I'm sure other states do too. It's just something that I noticed and, and you can, you know, you can go to PA511.gov, I think it is, and just click on and play with it. It's, it's pretty cool. Well, we have covered a lot of ground today, everything from talking about artificial intelligence to, um, you know, other ways to save time and money by utilizing safely and efficiently your mobile phone, how to maximize the use of that for, say, crews that are out in the field, even for property managers. We've covered 5G, how that has completely changed the industry, both meteorologically, but also snow and ice for sure, sensor technology. We've talked about GPS, and that has been a huge game changer as well. Um, but I'm excited to see where technology goes from here. And I'm also excited that we talked about technology and how to leverage it in this industry. And it has been so wonderful having you on, John Paganini from Crew, Track Crew Tracker Software. And it's uh, also been an honor to work with you as a partner. And WeatherWorks has really enjoyed our partnership over the years. And we're excited to see where technology can even take our partnership from here. <laughs> Thank you, Chelsea. The feelings are quite mutual. Yeah, it's been a great partnership. Um, started uh, before me, actually. So we can, you know, it's now up to us to take it to the next level, whatever that is. And as as uh, the relationship uh, grows, as well as the technology uh, and the services and offerings that we provide to our uh, both mutual and, you know, future customers, uh, I think the um, the road looks really exciting. Um, so as, as a the electronic cars, you know, become more prevalent and our technologies get better and the integration gets more interesting. Um, you know, we'll be collaborating together to provide some really interesting creative solutions um, to the industry. So that will definitely continue. And I think we're only limited by our imagination. Um, but I, on that thought, who the people who have the most imagination and creativity are our, our users, our customers really understand what they're looking for. So it's really up to us to deliver that uh, to and for them. So thank you um, for having having me on the show. It's truly an honor. A lot of fun to talk about this stuff. Uh, and there's a lot more we can talk about. Maybe we do it again and, and talk about some other emerging technologies and the impact uh, it has on the industry. Yeah, for sure, John. Thank you again very much for being on uh, on the uh on the podcast with us. And uh, maybe when we get to like six or seven or 10 G we'll, we'll have you back. <laughs> Hilarious. Who knows what's in store you know, when we're all wearing virtual reality goggles. We'll... That's true. Yes, it'll be like, we're all sitting together in the same room and then our listeners will be there in a virtual audience. Yeah, that'll be fun. And they'll virtually snowplow. <laughs> yeah. I could see that, you know, you can imagine, imagine sitting at the, uh, you know, at your office virtually driving the snowplow truck. Wow. Mind blown. All right. All right, everyone. Thank you so very much then for joining us here in the Weather Lounge. Uh, we have a brand new uh, episode and topic uh, every two weeks. And, uh, of course, you can uh, check us out 
on your favorite podcast platform. And we are on all social media platforms. Please uh, check us out on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And of course, you can always go to our website at weatherworksinc.com. And we'll see you back here in a couple of weeks. Thank you.